In solidarity with the millions of demonstrators making their voices heard around the world, and in protest of the disproportionately violent and inhumane treatment of people of color by law enforcement officials, this episode will begin with 8 minutes, 46 seconds of silence.
Rest in peace, George Floyd. Black Lives Matter. Thank you. You know, I've always said that retail workers, fast food workers, supermarket employees are essential to the American way of life, and we're really finding that out in recent times. To get a different viewpoint on that, I'll be talking to an essential shop worker, live from Scotland. This is Stranger Than Christian. Hey, David. Hi there. How are hey, you doing, Chris? How's it going, sir? I'm good, thank you. How's yourself? Good. Thank you for being patient with me while I get my microphone <laughs> straightened out. If you saw my setup no right now, you would think I was being held hostage. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm a bit of a technophobe, so at least you've got it sorted. I would be like digging through any Linux stacks. Oh, well, well, you know, my biggest, my most sworn enemy since I started this project has been Echo. And I'm in a closet right now that I sort of converted into a studio, but I'm still in the yeah. process of trying to get it so that no other sound gets in. So I'm, I'm yeah. surrounded by a big fleece blanket right now, and I have my mic right in front of me. So hopefully this will do. Thank God this isn't a video. Yeah, yeah. No worries. And you've been coping okay. You all right Well, all this is going on? I'm doing as well as I can do. You know, this is part of it. This has been almost... Yeah almost therapy for me you know i work at a hotel uh usually and mm. i'm not off of work i'm doing some writing work from home but i'm not in front of as many people as i'm used to i'm yeah. such a people person i love meeting people so right this mm. is definitely taking care of that how about you how was work it was fine it was all right um i work in a shop so i am also on the, the front line so to speak um but because i know Obviously, hotels will be a similar thing. They'll start coming back, so you'll potentially be on. Um, I keep saying the front line. It seems like we're in a war, which we are with the virus to an extent. But, um, is, yeah, is that a grocery shop? Yes. Uh, I don't know if I should say the name or not. It, it's convenience. Um, it, it's it's also. Oh, you can say it. That's uh, okay. We, we probably oh, don't have it here. Yeah, it's Sainsbury's, um, if you've heard of them. Um, okay. And... Uh, Sainsbury's, did you say? Yes. Okay, yes. I, I have heard of Sainsbury's, yes. Yeah, I don't think they've got much of a presence anywhere else. I haven't even asked. Are you, you US-based? I don't know. I know that we have things like Target at Walmart and stuff like that, which I guess yeah. is expanding into other countries, but that, I feel like that's that's known as a, a uniquely American sort of thing. Yeah, well, turns out Walmart took over from Asda, which is a big um, shop over here. Um so I think they've got more fingers, fingers and more pie than you'd think. But um, yeah, it's it's we're about three months in now. Grown adults still aren't paying attention, so you're, you're a bit more stressed. But seventy percent know what they're doing, and it's okay. So it's just as you say, it's similar. Um, few little changes, but it's really not bad. You know, I feel like a lot of the changes that are being made 
I have a feeling that those changes will be looked at as for the better. I think that once this ends, yeah. a lot of the things like social distancing and keeping your distance in line yeah. and, and waiting in a more orderly queue when you go up to the register, I think that those are going to be standard. And I think that's good. I think it's about time. Yeah. Now, what do you do at the shop? Are you a cashier? Yeah, it's customer assistance. So because businesses now want you to do as much work as you can for a lot of money, um, you end up, you do everything. Um, and it's managers above you that really do, do anything different. You're um, an essential worker, as they say. Yes. Right, right. So, yeah, and a jack of all trades. So you're not just sitting on pills, you're you're stocking the shop. You're, you're running the shop, basically. Sure. Whereas big supermarkets, you've got different people for different jobs. So it's different. Now, I feel like you have a unique point of view as somebody who's, for lack of a better term, on the front line. What are some of the ways in which your job has changed in the past couple of months? Yeah, um, it's it's a bit like the other jobs, but we rely on the customers doing what they need to do. So we're supposed to just be shepherds and just be there for when they need us, but actually end up having a to sort of um, control the masses as well. So that's the biggest change, that before you had to tell people a certain, certain thing. Now it's people aren't paying attention to signs, people aren't keeping their distance. Um, it's difficult enough in a small place. But as far as we're concerned, there was a bit of PPE-protective equipment that we got. Um, got um, sneeze guards up in front of the tills, uh, which, as you say, probably will be something we do all the time because it does just make more sense. Um, and the hygiene isn't so bad. That's become a enormous. The the differences that keep changing over time are because I don't I don't know if America is quite the same, but we keep getting told different things, and then they'll change their mind, um, and then they'll tell people something. So they'll think it's relaxed when you still need to follow the same measures. Uh, but it's it's like everything now it seems there are slight changes but life is is similar to what it was i don't think we're gonna have a massive revolution from this but yes hopefully it brings a lot of forward thinking Uh, absolutely now in america there is from my personal experience because i'm I'm the designated grocery shopper in the household now that's the responsibility (laughs) that's been put on me from my experience i've noticed that people are more willing to help each other along uh because we are as all the commercials around us say we are in unprecedented times now do you notice that where you are in scotland is there what we have here which is like this almost separate faction of people who think it's ridiculous and think we need to reopen and think that this is slavery yeah. and all those terrible words that yeah. they put to it. Yeah. I, I think that the social culture and setup of America means that there are harsher views and it's about rights. It's about don't take my guns away. Whereas with us, it's more the, it's the choice. So people are getting annoyed at the fact that they can't do what they want. And then they're doing what they want and they see that it causes problems. So it's, I think there is a reasonable amount of people trying to find silver linings out out of the the situation, but especially working in quite a busy shop, it's 50 50. You get some people who are switched on and and are thinking in a reasonable way, and you get others that are just looking after themselves. Um, But like, like a lot of these things, it 
the people that it brings the good out of, it really brings the good out of them. So it's it's uh, it's not a black and white uh, situation, definitely. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and 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 this may be a perspective that's unique to me, but what I mm. compared it to in the beginning when it first came about that we were going to be going through all these changes and we didn't know where the virus was, or what was happening. Yeah. It, it was almost like nine 11 in that there mm. was this looming threat. We didn't really know where it was coming from or where it was going yeah. to go. We didn't know what was next, whether it, what, you know, who it was going to uh, attack next. We didn't know what was going to close mm. next, what was going to be canceled. Yeah. And it was almost like going through that in slow motion when it came to this coronavirus pandemic. Mm. And again, what I noticed was that people are, more patient i think as a whole with right. each other mm. and helping each other along and you know if you don't have a mask i'll get you one i'll make you one do you need food right. i'm going yeah. to the supermarket do you need anything that i hope stays i hope that yeah. stays for as long as it possibly can because i think that that's been missing from life in general uh everybody yeah, has compassion. A, yeah, yeah compassion and 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 empathy people have a tendency yeah. i think to stay in their headphones and stay on their phone yeah. and stay in their bubble and not reach out um for a, a bunch of reasons that i, I won't yeah. go into but um that's definitely one of the things that i've noticed with everything going on um how old are you david if you don't mind me asking no no i'm 28 you okay say? um I'm, I'm 31 I actually, I just turned 31. Yeah, I just turned 31 on the 9th of May. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. How was an an isolation birthday? You know, it was pretty, it was pretty entertaining. We, I, I, you know, I'm a people person, but at the same time, I did feel to a certain degree that I was falling into this routine of like waking up, going to work, coming home, making dinner, going to bed, and that just on repeat. And we had just moved into this apartment uh, about four months ago. And my wife and I were both working. We both work in hospitality. And it felt like life was getting away from us. And we were just kind of making a pit stop in this Mm. apartment and then just running right back out of the house. So it was nice to take a second and appreciate this new home that we had. We got to spend time with our cats. We got to spend time with each other. We got to know each other a little bit better. I got to feel like I was providing for her in a time of panic, which, you know, made me feel good. It made her feel good Mm. as well. So my birthday was great. We just spent time with each other. Um, We we uh, we went out to the supermarket and bought each other a cupcake. That that was our that was our cake. the night yeah we we had we had a great time it was it was very nice i I will definitely remember it as the as the uh, the isolation birthday (laughs) now you went to college correct yes um, i actually went to both so i think you call university college um whereas we have a college which is sort of a step down between high school and university and then university is, yeah, the, the sort of without the campus, without that sort of thing. Um, you know, it does have campuses, but not the same frat house sort of stuff. I understand, um, right. So I've, I've done both, and I started at uni when I was 17. Did three years, but I didn't get a degree, but did get a diploma. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's like going through this. The experiences that you have by going to uni, by doing certain things that you have to put your time and effort into is the real reward um so yeah it's it's um it was a great experience but doesn't necessarily mean that that has to color everything um so i'm just trying to sort of um, justify the fact that i dropped out twice <laughs> okay well i dropped out once so I'm, I, we, we're in the same boat there right yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And what did you study? I went to school to study broadcast journalism. Um, I was mainly oh. focused. Yeah, I was mainly Brilliant. focused on the broadcasting aspect of it. I, I had always wanted to be a broadcaster, and I ended up managing the campus radio station for a while and had Brilliant. some experiences outside of school where I got to see what yeah. making TV was like, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, and I, I dropped out my senior year because I had gotten a job in New York City working on a television show, oh. and I perhaps naively thought that that was going to be my career path forever. So I said, well, yeah. the hell with it. I'm I, I'm going to school to get a degree to get a job in TV. I got a job in TV. Mm. What the hell do I need this for? And and, <laughs> yeah. and and looking back on it, I, I would I would never do that or advise anyone to do that. But it was fun mm. for what it was. And I think that eventually everything worked out. I'm, I'm, I'm where I need Good. to be right now. Yeah. Well, and as you said, with um, being able to appreciate the house and the life and that sort of stuff, it's not... In the, the part of oh, mom stumbling um, these days, it isn't like our dad's sort of generation where you you got a job, you knew someone, you you did that job for life. And now it's making a life around the job. People say, um, "I don't live to work; I, I work to live." And the the way that society makes us sort of work our bees, yeah, you definitely have to take time to appreciate it. And hindsight's good as well. Um, would you study something else because you, you realize that that's, that's a good thing to do or would you leave education behind you think? I think if I were to study something else, well, I would have to take a long, hard look at the decision of, you know, whether to go to college again or not, because I'm, yeah. I am in debt a, to a, a, right. a certain <laughs> amount that I would not wish on my worst mm. enemy. And that, wow. that would take a lot of thought. If I were to go to yeah. school again, I don't know. I think I, you know, I, I have a passion for broadcasting. I, I, I have a passion for radio and television. I don't know that I would go to school for that specifically. I've mm. always entertained this idea of going to school to study meteorology and to become, oh, wow. and to become, and, and to be like, to learn about the weather to the, to the degree that I can get on TV and be a weatherman. And then from there, yeah. segue into whatever other facet of broadcasting I can get into. Mm. But news seems to be a pretty good entry point if, if you want to be on TV. I mean, there's no better practice talking into a camera and, right. and learning how to dress, you know, uh, dress for the screen than, than something in news. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what I would do. Again, if I decided to go to college, that, that was a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, no, I can guess. I've seen some people talking balances. Uh, yeah, or yes. that, yeah. Even over here, I don't know if you've heard, but in Scotland, not all of the UK, but in Scotland, they've managed to preserve um, not having to pay tuition fees straight away. So you basically get your education for free, and then when you earn enough, you pay it back. But you're still in debt. Sure, but so, with that, but that, it seems on its face, it seems so much more forgiving than our system. I yeah. mean, I, I, and you know what? I'll tell you. Uh, school was $12,000 a year plus uh, oh. books and, and all that. And, and, and as I made my yes. way through school, I figured out where to get and download my books for free. So, that's, oh, right. that, you know, so that saved me a little <laughs> bit of money. But yeah. um, what happened was six months after you end the school, whether you graduate or you drop out, that's when your right. loans become due. Six months after I decided to drop out and become a full-time television writer, right. I was not where I wanted to be. I thought I would be yeah. in a position to pay all that <laughs> off, but it didn't work out that way. But life is good anyway. Good. Yeah. yeah. 
yep, yep, yep. So, and I think uh, you've oh, sorry, I think you've been enjoying podcasting as you say that. I have, yeah. So this project I started originally. I started about two years ago um, mm. because I was between jobs and I was feeling a little down on myself, and I had this feeling that I hadn't created anything in a long time. So on a whim, I put together a form on Google and I posted right. it to Reddit. And I said, anyone who wants to talk, fill out this information. Nothing, you know, nothing complicated. Just what your name is, yeah. how old are you, where you're from. And, and, and we can talk. And I have no script. I have no preparation. Yeah. Let's just let's just be friends for a bit. And I, yeah. I got a very good reception from it. And I did it for a while. Right. I ended up finding a full-time job and I sort of fell out of the routine of recording, but I'm back at it now and I am having so much fun. Great. Now you studied, what did you study in university? Psychology. Okay. With the goal of becoming a psychologist? Yes. Um, I'd, I'd always been a listener, a talker, a, a, someone who wanted to uncover more and think about other people. So it suited me to begin with. And then, um, oh, this might happen every now and again. What was the question again, sir? Oh, I asked what you studied um, in university. And then I asked if you studied psychology with the intention of becoming a psychologist or becoming a yes. doctor. Oh, that was it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So it, it was one of these things where it, you feel like it's, it's sort of something that fits your personality. Um, then when, when I went down sort of the rabbit hole and you had to choose where you were going to go, yeah, there were so many different facets to it that I was I was looking at marketing um, because I'm also fascinated with your, your sort of dead and brown, you're using um, psychology and things to manip manipulate a bad word, but in business, frankly, it is, um, but it's, it's how it works. Um, and I've gone through three or four different sorts of jobs and apparently consultancy is the best one to go for because you're doing less work than most money but like you've said a bit it's it's you if you do something like that as a as a job you end up losing your love for it um, and the job market seems wide but it's amazing the, the dropout rate in psychology is pretty much 50 percent um so it's it's yeah i wanted to be a psychologist i wanted to put that in a practice practice but actually the way things have turned out it's it's um it's more of a tool i say that, that kids should be taught psychology at an earlier age um, because it helps us to understand each other and ourselves um so i think it's more useful actually as a philosophy than than as a job title uh, i would absolutely agree with you yeah. i think kids especially nowadays could benefit from from mindfulness and from emotional intelligence. Yeah. I know that yeah. w w when I look back on the previous years of myself, see, I, I, I joke around with my wife and I say I'm on a sort of uh, slash and burn policy when it comes to my life. I go forward and I'm always apologizing for the previous five years of my existence. And that's just yeah. what I'll do going forward. <laughs> but I look back and I think, yes, I could have used more education when it came to handling emotions and, and mm. again, emotional intelligence. Now, you mentioned that you all have always found yourself to be a good talker and a good listener. Do you find mm. that those were qualities that helped you as you when you were younger in your childhood, were you a more empathetic kid? Were you a more emotionally intelligent child? I would definitely say so. It's sort of the chicken and the egg with me. Um, personally, I I had issues as a kid where I didn't understand my emotions. I'd lash out. 
um, similar to, to autism or something like that, um, and thinking in a different way. But um, oh, and I've gone and done it again. What was the last bit of the question? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> well, I asked if you were a and what you would consider to be an emotionally intelligent child because you had mentioned that you were oh, a, a good yeah. talker, good listener. I wonder yeah. if that's something that you were yeah. raised with or something that you learned later in life. I would say it's a mixture. A big thing in in psychology is the nature versus nurture debate, if you've heard of that. Yes. Yeah, so basically, for listeners, um, it, it's it's the, the question of whether we gain more from, from how we're brought up or it's genetic, it's natural. Um, so I would say it's recognising it. It's if you don't understand that you have these gifts or these things happen or you know what i mean that you can make something useful out of them they pass you by um so it's more of a culmination of things of being that sort of person seeing that it works and then seeing that it actually applies to to sort of jobs in the serious side of the world because that's basically what psychology is is looking at things testing things and talking about things so it, it's a very simple sort of thing that you do day to day um and as you you seem to, to get to like with the looking back five years, even in hindsight, you don't necessarily see everything that, that put things together. Um, so I would say it's luck to an extent, but it's finding your gifts, it's finding what you can do in the world and um, expressing it, like with, with podcasting. And I think it's the, the bigger part of it is whether you're a creative person or whether you're someone who, what's the opposite of being creative? Um, a, a, a straightforward thinker, math, that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that you do have to have a creative mind to be successful in that field. And I imagine you have to have a unique or vibrant outlook on life in general. You have to have a fascination with life. Um, yes, a curiosity. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That natural curiosity. I think it's a culmination of those things that, that works out. And you tend to see that People in certain fields and things are similar, but you, as you say, unique. And it's finding those similarities and, and, and making us a team um, in these sort of fields rather than being a lone voice. Definitely. See, we, um, need, we need more people like you in times like this, you know? <laughs> you need people that, yeah. that can look at the world as, as, as one team. You know, whether, whether there's a pandemic or not, I think we could all benefit from that sort yeah. of outlook. Yeah, well, borders... The, the reason borders have been in place is for, is for dominance and control, not for the betterment of the people and things. So, yes, um, I think society needs to, to look back five years and take an overhaul. But it's it's what we were saying. It's about curiosity. Conspiracies are a big thing now, and I've been mad into them. But if you take it from a point of view of, of a scientist, like the scientific method, so you don't you can, you can believe in the theories, but... Unless there is evidence one way or another, you can't make a full judgment on it. So, it sounded like something fell behind you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh I, I heard in the middle of you talking, I heard a loud pop. And I imagine like, because I know like one of my cats would run by and like knock something off a bookshelf. Or, mm. you know, so I was, I was yeah. wondering if that was it, but that's okay. <laughs> he's on my knees. So no, he's not causing any problems. So why did you want to be part of this project? Why did you say yes and fill out the form? Um, the main part is 
this is a big part of what my psyche is why I've got in a psychology. It's talking to people, finding different points of view. So as you say, what what you get out of this, I get out of this as well, and even just going on other people's podcasts. The other part of it is that um, I, me and my friends, um, I've written a satirical podcast over the last couple of months, and um, it's a really good way to, to not only communicate with the community, which, by the way, you probably noticed yourself, podcasting community in general is amazing. Um, fans and people can be fickle. Podcasts are still seen as a bit of a, a taboo subject that not everyone's into, but people who are creating it behind things really want to help each other out. It's great. Um, so partly to plug it, partly to be part of the community as well um, is why I, I enjoyed this and specifically your enthusiasm, the fact that it isn't just a, oh, um, just send me a link and we'll, we'll, we'll just see about having a chat. It was, give me some information, I'll let you know, bang. Uh, it's, and I think you get more of a picture of the person rather than just going, oh, I've got a podcast to plug. Right. I feel like a lot of people, when they decide to start out with a podcast, and I noticed this when I worked at the campus radio station as well, when we'd ask a student, like, what kind of show do you want to do? And they'd say, I just want to, like, I just want to talk and, like, do whatever I want. And that sounds great on paper and in theory, but once you do it and you're eight minutes in and you realize you've done everything (laughs) you wanted to do, what are you going to do for the other 52 minutes of that? (laughs) So that was my goal in that I wanted... I did want interesting people to talk to. I mean, it's like life, you know, you have some friends that bring out the curiosity in you that bring out the sense of humor in you that, you know, without even trying sort of inspire you to elevate yourself and, and to be a better version of yourself. So uh, my goal, and I don't even know that the form itself is a comprehensive enough measurement of that. I wanted to find people that, I could vibe with. I wanted to find people yeah. that I could, I could say things and, and have them bounce off and have them kind of, you know, the way my wife, uh, my wife and I talk about it, we say, we like to know people who can catch it and throw it back. We right. like to yeah. have people who can, you know, we like to know people that can engage in conversation and have a laugh and, and learn yeah. a little bit and open themselves up and, and be honest and, you know, totally. yeah, that's, that's the human experience. It's yes. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a lot of people float through life and don't really want to experience more, whereas there's those of us who care and enjoy living to an extent. Yes, exactly. And that's what I set out to look for when I started this, mm. uh, when I restarted this project. I mean, it's what I did the first time too, but I yeah. got a much a much uh, wider response uh, this time mm-hmm. around. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting people from all over the world. I mean, you know. Really? Technology is amazing, yeah. isn't it? I feel like I say this yeah. every like, every episode I've done. I feel like I say this, but technology yeah. is so incredible. I'm 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 in my apartment in Pennsylvania, in the United States, and I'm talking to uh, an, an aspiring psychologist from Scotland. That's the coolest thing in the world. I'll never not yeah. think that's cool. No, it is, and it's it's amazing uh, being our, our age. We've you know you see now the millennials, the actual millennials, the they're twenty now. The not known the world before Twitter. They're not known the world before uh, Wi-Fi. Whereas we know dial-up tones. Oh, we yes. didn't have computers. I miss dial-up with. tones. I miss them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it it was annoying at the time, but now, <laughs> yeah. You know, 
internet used to be such a fucking scam. Do you know that my my family yep. used to go out and buy the equivalent of, of a prepaid phone card? They paid twenty dollars mm. for two hours of internet time, and you go home and you put in the number in your computer and you dial up to whatever server. Mm. And for twenty dollars, for ten dollars an hour, you can be on the internet. And it was the slowest, most ridiculous yeah. service I had ever had to deal with. But the fact that we had it in the house and the fact that we were yeah. even on the edge of that part of society was the coolest thing in the world. I didn't have to go to the yeah. library anymore and use the internet. We had it at home. This is it. And people think that, oh, we're at this, such an advanced stage in that. There can't be any more. There was actually someone after the Industrial Revolution. And there's a quote who said, all that has been invented, all that has, can ever be invented is yet, no, all that's yet to be invented has been invented. Basically, that, yeah, we've gotten to the max of our technology, yet, as we're seeing now, Industrial Revolution was nothing. We've got such an advancement left to go. We've barely yes. scratched the surface. And, you know, to me, that makes life exciting. I can't yeah. wait to see what happens next and to know that we're part of the generation that's going to have initial access to that and we'll be the generation yeah. that finds out what works and what doesn't work. To be part of that mm. is is incredible. And it's one of the things that fascinates me about uh, about television, about the history of television, that there, yeah. that there was an era where the people that did the equivalent of what we're doing now for a mass audience were the pioneers. They were the people that figured out what worked and what didn't yeah. work. And it's, it's just amazing to track the progression of something like that. It, it's also that things like that would become businesses monopolized. So sometimes you see things and you think, why is that the way it is when it's meant to be entertainment or something? And in fact, there, there's a bigger picture or there's strings behind the scenes. Whereas when you find something where it's, it's trailblazers who did it for, for the right reasons to try and help or advance humanity or do something that's wanted but is not as monetizable, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's as much of a breakthrough as going from having a computer to then inventing the internet. Yes, absolutely. And I think that even with the progressions in current technology, I think mm. we're able to better appreciate, at least I'm better able to appreciate previous generations technology. I'll, I will always love analog technology. I'll always love computers and cartridges and, and floppy mm. disks and, and, and videotapes. Oh, yes, absolutely. De right. Yeah. Teletext <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with. Oh, yeah. That, that was a big thing on the BBC for a while, wasn't it? Was yeah. it called CVEX? Yep. CFAX, yes, I, yes. Yep, I remember that. And you could play games on it and things. And it, the weather, that was one of the first places you could get the weather widely available. Apart from looking out your window. Um, right. Yeah, no, that is, you're right. It, and it, it's a forgotten part, of, or it will be in a couple couple of years or a generation time. Because it becomes obsolete. But a big thing about the pandemic, potential nuclear war, solar flares, is that we need analog options. Yes, absolutely. You need something in case the digital option fails, which it does yeah. very frequently. <laughs> one of my Working broadcasting on professors power. used to, yeah, one of my broadcasting professors yeah. used to comment on how complacent we as a society have become with errors mm. in digital technology, how complacent we've become with audio dropping out of calls or with yeah. video skipping on, on live TV news or with, with connection issues or well, dropped calls. It, it's that, but it's also, it's also, I think it's, it's a rage. You know what I mean? It's, it's an entitlement. 
Yes, kids absolutely. Nowadays, yeah, they, they take they it for granted. Tantrums. I'm going to tell you a quick story, and this yeah. was going to illustrate my connection to CFAX. I met my wife about hmm. eight years ago. And I lived in Connecticut and she lived in Pennsylvania, which is it's about it's a couple hundred miles away, uh, about a three and a half right. to four hour train ride. And so mm-hmm. we were at this point in our relationship. We, we had met in New York City a couple of times. We, we got along beautifully. And I, I, I yeah. wanted to have her in my life forever. And mm-hmm. I was at a point where I just oh. I just couldn't figure out how to get that done. How am I going to save the money to get an apartment? How am I going to? And yeah. we realized that we could take the train to see each other. And we decided this at about 11 p.m. one night. And she said, why don't you just hop on the train and come see me? I'll put you up for the weekend. We'll have a good time. I'll, I will show you around Pennsylvania. And going to Pennsylvania was like uh, traveling to a, it was like traveling to a fairy tale land. It was just such the oh. opposite of what I grew up around. And mm. it was just so, to me, so mystical and so beautiful and so yeah. far removed from my life in Connecticut. But I needed to find something to fall asleep to on the train. And right. so I searched for music to sleep to. And one mm. of the first options that came up was an album of CFAX music, of the music that played wow. in the background. And oh, so I put that on and I fell mm. asleep. And to this day, when I have trouble sleeping, there are two selections of CFAX music that I put on and that it knocks me wow. out. I will have to look for that because I, I can't for life me remember there being any music. Yeah, it's well, and Again, I've always been fascinated with this kind of thing. So from the reading that I've done, it seems that the music was selected for CFAX based on uh, cost. So, Oh, yes, of course, right. <laughs> yeah, so it, w- it was cheap to make, and as a result, it wasn't the most pleasant mm. thing to listen to. It was very uh, tune-outable. Mm. You can have it on in the background and, and not even notice it, which I think is probably why it helps me sleep. But, yeah, that, that so that's my connection to that particular service. Mm. No, that's, that's, and that's very interesting. Yeah, it's amazing how something that's basically obsolete now has brought you joy in your life. Yes, uh, absolutely. And then you use it again. It, it's not even just a one-time thing. It's something that you is part of your life. Now. I, I listen to it, and it, it, it just reminds me of those times in 2012, taking the train mm. to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'll, I'll, I will never be able to separate those memories from that music. And uh, have you, uh, are you married? You I have been married, yeah. I've been married for three yeah. years now, yeah. Yeah. So so from from a small sort of acorn thing, from something that was a, a big moment, and now you've created a, a life with someone, um, do you feel in hindsight you can see where these things connect or is this just one thing in life where, you know, when they match up perfectly, you then go, oh, yeah, no, that's brilliant. You know, I look at the history of our relationship and I see moments where Kat and I are thinking the same thing or getting ready to say the same thing. Kat is the funniest woman I've ever met in my life. Mm. And so I pride myself on being the guy who always knows the right thing to say. And sometimes that tortures me. Sometimes I don't want to be that, but I hold myself Mm. to that standard, you know. But uh, yes, absolutely. Especially my own worst critic sometimes. Mm. Uh, but yes, as I look back on our history together, I, I have been able to point out moments where for a second, we are one, we are the same person. And I realized that I had never had that connection with anyone else in my life. Mm. I I had never experienced 
that connection where it goes so deep you can't even see the roots. It, it's yeah. just so natural and so compatible. So well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a, my ex. Um, big exes of three years, um, not as in size but as in length of time. Um, she at one point would say, um, "I was looking at things in the wrong way." And I'd need that little sort of other person's voice to go, we're not in this against each other. We're meant to be a team. That's what a relationship is about, coming together and doing the best. So you've got that spot on, nail on the head. Yeah. Um, it's not about finding someone that you enjoy. It's about finding someone whose company you enjoy, who's, as you say, someone you find funny, someone that you, essentially some uh, equals and opposites. Where do you lie on the, the opposites to track sort of thing? I think that I think that there's some truth to that. I'm not sure that mm. it's law. I think that my wife and I are not I wouldn't call us opposites. I would I consider us to be in many ways the same person. We have the same influences. Mm. We grew up the same way, learning the same things about life, maybe not at the same time. She's definitely taught me a lot of lessons about life. And being a man that I wish I had learned mm. earlier in life that would have made this journey a lot smoother. But right. I'm I'm sure I'm 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 sure opposites do attract, but it but in my case, mm. it, we're 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 not opposites at all. Great. Okay. I think you need a base of of um, similarity, and then little differences work. But if you are on like I have been in the past with exes on completely different wavelengths, you're just trying to make something work that. Is button heads. I'm sorry, David. Ask that question one more time. Your yeah. phone broke up just a bit. <laughs> no worries. Um, I'm not sure what the, the, the question was. Um, it was just, um, I think I was finishing off a thought that. And did it have something to do with finding small similarities and, and, and sort of yeah. going off on the right foot and, and finding common ground? You've got me. Yeah, I, I think the base of a good relationship is mainly similarities, but you need to have differences. You need to have things that keep each other interested. Um, right, obviously... little variations in flavor. Absolutely. Yeah. And then yes. things to enjoy, explore, learn. Yeah, that's it. People think the relationships are about feeling comfortable, which is a big part of it, but it's also about exploring yourself and someone else yes i think getting comfortable in a relationship it has the potential to be very dangerous because once mm. you get comfortable you, you know there's no more room for growth or change and, and that has to happen yeah and if you won't complacent and take things for granted it's yeah life is worth working on yes always and that's one of the things I, I'm, I'm learning every day and it's funny that you mentioned you know that in and in, in the case of your ex there had been times where she had to say you know we're on the same team mm. That's something that I find my wife telling me a lot. And I wonder if that's a problem that's specifically sort of endemic to men in relationships. But mm. I, I always find I very frequently I won't say always I very frequently find myself on the defensive when it comes to my behavior, when it comes to things yeah. about myself and handling my emotions. Um, I wonder what your experience is with that. I am the same. I am a, a stubborn sausage uh, internally um so you can feel like you you feel like you can deal with anything you can rationalize anything but when it comes to emotional moments yes uh, it's very easy to lash out especially when 
it does feel like you're competing each other against each other at times. Partly because we were young. Uh, I think what was it? She was eighteen and started going out when I was twenty-two. Um, so oh, that's young and naive, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and when they are, it's, it, if if you you think your partner's on a level with you, I think that's a big thing as well. The 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 punching down is that the term? Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. If you settle for somebody, you're not you're not going to need to put the same effort. Right. Yeah. Sometimes Whereas I find you are, yeah. mm-hmm. you're finding an equal is is the other way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I find that my self awareness gets in the way, and I know that I could be better in certain areas, and it's almost like I get preemptively angry at her getting mad at me yeah. that I'm not at this place yet, that I don't have this lesson under my belt yet. And, so and you go and, in already and stop. Yes. Like on the defensive. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 Oh God, there, there, there have just been so many lessons about mm. emotional health and emotional intelligence that I have learned being in this relationship that I wish I knew earlier, but I'm grateful yeah. to have learned them now at an yeah. age when I'm more you know, able to easily digest that information and yeah. and use it to my advantage. I think that's a big part. It's we're not always ready. We're not always ready for these things. It's it's allowing it to digest. You, you can think, oh, back then this would have been great. But I'm a big believer in sort of the spiritual science and the even if you just look at it as it's done, therefore it's fate. You know what I mean? You can't change it, so it is the way it is. Um, it's the only thing you can do better is doing what you're doing and seeing the lessons when they come because it's the same thing with taking things for granted you just went oh I'm here now this is fine I've gotten to where I need to be past lessons don't mean a thing to me right. you're not going to evolve you're not going to learn so yeah well like they say hindsight is twenty twenty. you know you could look back mm-hmm. on a situation and have and have perfect vision and, and, and of course have the perfect idea yeah. of what you should have done but you know is, is it worth more in the moment or after the moment <laughs> Yes, and I, I think in the moment you, you wouldn't even have noticed it. Oh, whereas in hindsight you've got enough space and, and sort of more experience in between that as well. Yes, um, we, life doesn't give us the lessons we want; it gives us the lessons we need. That's exactly it. How important is religion in your life, personally? I have always been someone who wants to find the truth, wants to find the answer. So religion is a stumbling block to that. Right. But the one thing I see that it, the value it has is the belief, not having a belief and feeling out of touch with the world, the universe, insignificant, leads to a lot of depression, problems, suicidal thoughts, etc. When you really get down to the fact that nothing means anything and everything's pointless. So to have a belief, to have something, um, I think is, is very powerful for an individual. But ultimately, like government, like the society we've built up around us, it, it's not a pure form of of lessons or spiritualism. It's Christianity, especially certain times Catholicism, have been turned Islam. They've been turned into a ways to a means for certain people who take it in their own way. And knowing the history of Christianity and things, it was never something that was meant to be a healing power. It was always something that was meant to have control of people. From, from the Romans, etc. Um, 
And then there's the muddy thought of, was Jesus real? If you look at the Bible as um, advice, as as help, um, as something to try and live your life with, which we look at the, the non-dogmatic religions as, Buddhism, Hinduism, etc., they're, they're guidelines. They're not there to tell you what to do, um, especially since it was written a thousand years ago. So it's not going to be relevant at all, or two, or however many it is. Um, but... As I, I briefly said earlier, um, it seems that middle grounds are the better way to go. And looking into the spiritual science, looking into the fact that meditation has now been proven to have positive effects and mindfulness, like you brought up, um, tantric sex has been proven yes. that it, it does work. Um, I think that there's there's a bigger picture. There's there's things that we haven't discovered. There are things that we don't know anything about yet, and we're treating things like we know every answer because we asked it to an extent um but as far as the simple question of am i religious no um i'd I'd like to be i'd like to find these answers and i think spiritual science is the way to it but ultimately if 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 someone wants to hold belief that's fine but i see it as a controlling as more of a, a tool for the people who are in power rather than something that the people can all get together and, and rally behind. Um, what yeah. about yourself? I think religion is, like you said, to have that faith and to have those beliefs mm. is healthy. I think yeah. that organized religion is where I have a lot of questions. I have so many questions um, because like you, I don't believe that that Christianity, which is what I, I consider to be my religion, I'm I'm, I'm religious to a certain yeah. degree, but I'm 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 by no means a, a good practicing Christian. Um, yeah. It was never meant as a money making endeavor. It was never meant as a business. It was mm. never meant as something yeah. to justify the hate and intolerance and beating and killing of other people or yeah. war or 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 you know. Any of the terrible things that are done. Yes, any of the terrible things that yeah. are done in the name of Jesus and in the name of the Bible and in yeah. the name of Christianity. So, you know, in, in there, I, I, I have many questions. Um, yeah, I, it's it's it's. It, 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 it's not a tough issue for me to talk about, but I think yeah. that sometimes the opinions that I have on this particular issue are not ones that are widely shared. I'll never, under, yeah. I'll, I, I will never understand why the celebrities and the people mm. in mainstream media who protest all the things that they protest on a daily yeah. basis, on a, on a weekly basis. You could look at Twitter all the time and see what's the next thing to be canceled. What's the next thing to boycott? What's the next thing to hate? Yeah. What celebrity will boycott the Catholic church for the decades of child abuse that happened yeah. under their hand? <laughs> like who, who, who's going to come out and say that? Like who's going to come out and, 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 and be that voice that says, Hey, look at this organization. Mm. I mean, because if you take the name off of it, if you take Catholic church yeah. off of it, this was an organization that knowingly facilitated the sexual abuse of children for decades. There are yeah. billions of people who were born between 1960 and now who don't know a life without this organization. That was that, yeah. I, I don't know that I would call them responsible. They're responsible in that they, it, you know, it happened under their watch. What other organization could survive that? Yeah, well, we're seeing them in politics. It's the same thing. And have you seen the in the UK, we've got a big problem with someone called Dominic Cummings? No, I haven't. 
So he is the advisor to Boris Johnson as the uh, Prime Minister. Okay. Um, And over the weekend, he decided to go on a 260-mile trip to his uh, mother's because their child was sick. Oh. So yes, against all rules that he just spoke about, he stopped on the way. His wife was meant to have had it, and he didn't. So they put the child with them into a car, which obviously makes a lot of sense. Um, turns out the child tested negative, and all this is sort of dribbled out over the weekend. But the fact that he stood there and told people these rules, and has and has advised the prime minister these rules, and has then changed his mind, is is the similar thing to the Catholic Church. They 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 have are happy to reap the rewards. But when anything's given their their way, they act like the CIA and, and try plausible deniability because it wasn't them who did it. But we're only seeing the iceberg with the Catholic Church. This is not the extent of it. The extent of it will be that they've put pedophiles into areas known practicing priest pedophiles. It's now coming out that they've shipped them off to other areas. It's not even that they've dealt with them. It's that they've right. put them into other areas where there are vulnerable children. So they're exacerbating the problem. Yes, exactly. Uh, and again, what I, I, I don't know of any other organization or any other any other entity that could survive a scandal like that. The BBC barely survived it when it happened in what, twenty eleven when you know when Jimmy Savile died and that whole thing. Savile, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. But that was because that was institutionalized within the BBC. Whereas the Catholic Church, obviously, is a different proposition. So it's squarely on the head of those who ran it and who, well, it's like how the the Conservative government are now backing coming, even though we broke the law. And they're just saying, oh, it's matter, Oh, it's, um, you know, you you do that in in the case of your child. But there were so many other options they didn't explore at the point. Um, It's like that. They'll, They'll say, oh, Oh, but we're doing this for you. It's, it's guilt tripping. It's it's manipulative. It's yeah, um, and it's such a big organisation with the Catholic Church as well. It's not the case that this has been something over the past sixty years. Modern culture, the Crusades were weren't a, a righteous thing. So the Knights Templar, um, the Assassin's Creed stuff, the um, Da Vinci Code sort of thing, um, they weren't like a righteous crude of crew of knights that, that helped the Catholicism to protect itself, they went on a crusade across Europe, raiding, pillaging, and stealing all the gold. That's why the Vatican City is covered in gold, because they stole it from folks. So none of it is morally right. No, it, it, it's not. It, it's, you know, again, my, my opinions on, on, on this are, are, are I, 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 I don't know that they're controversial, but it's not a thing that I talk about regularly because it's very hard yeah. for me to find people who agree with it to the, you know, to the degree that I agree with it. When, mm. when, when Notre Dame caught fire, when Notre Dame Cathedral caught fire, Yo, and yeah. and in a matter of a weekend, two hundred like it was like two hundred fifty million dollars or yeah. just some ridiculous amount ridiculous. of people all over the world. Where were yeah. those people all this time? This is it for more righteous causes, for something that that isn't just an animal object that people attach their own emotions to. Uh, you, you could have solved part of world hunger. You Well, they say that if all the billionaires put 1% of their wealth in it, you could solve world hunger. So we, we can do these things. It, it's a want, it's a need. It's, it's, as we said at the start, compassion. The world isn't based on compassion. It's based on, on individual gain. 
And until those things change and society takes a look at itself, we're going to be stuck in the same issues with people like us, people who think they're right, right-minded thinkers, banging their heads against the wall, which we've seen from the Trump election, from Brexit, from all these things that, yes, they gave us a choice, but they didn't tell us the truth. They changed the rules. It's 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 coming so so blatant that the masses are not in control. That things are going to have to change, or the site is going to split into a, into a different section. The the do, do you think that there's a way to to rectify things, or do you think we need a revolution? I think that there is a way to rectify things, but I don't. I don't know that it will be something as swift and immediate as a yeah. revolution. I think that it's going to take a systemic changing of mindsets. I think it's going to take the existence of people who know how to communicate and get through to the population and convince yeah. a wide enough majority of that population that the other way is the way to go. And it's very difficult, especially I think in a country like America where everything is founded on this idea that you know, we have rights. These rights are guaranteed to yeah. us. And, you know, as as beneficial as those rights and rules and that constitution has been to the functioning of our mm. society, because we're not completely dysfunctional. We have some issues, but, yeah, you know, yeah. As, as as important as those things have been, it does sort of create this uh, this entitlement culture, this guarantee culture, this, you know, this yeah. thing where, you know, you said it and now you can't take it back. And, you know. In order for those rules to yeah. function in their intended way, we have to be able to look back on them and say, okay, you know, these documents were written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mm. years ago. You know, mm. 99% of the technology that we're arguing about today existed when these rules were written. Maybe mm. it's time to sit down and look at them. But, yeah. you know, the short answer is, yes, I think that there is hope for us as a society to become the compassionate, mindful people that we need to be in order for us to function in a more beautiful way. But I do yeah. think that it's going to take a lot of people. It's going to take a yeah. lot of mind changing and it's going to take a lot of yeah. we're going to go through a lot of growing pains as a people before we get to that point. But I don't know that I've ever lost hope. I think we can get there. Yeah. Yeah, it's been very easy to, especially with with the political stuff, and it feels like it's all ramped up. The political stuff, the the atrocities, the, the all this sort of thing. But it, part of it is that we see it now. Part of it is the media. It's mass media. It's it's having things at your fingertips. So you're right. You do need to sort of take a pinch of salt with these things, even though they are logically correct. It's easy to think that the world's crumbling when, in fact, it's it's getting to a stage where we can we can see it enough to want to change it. And that's I think the big issue. So you were saying like why why do these things not change? Why why is this I can't remember exactly what it was you said a while ago. But traditionalism is why we are part of the state we are because it's the if it ain't broke, don't fix it attitude. It's the have work for my forefathers, work for my my family, it'll work again. Um and that is in endemic in, in a, uh, at least the the British Conservative Party, if not, I would suggest the way that the the American two party system works. Um, what well, I might lose this in a second, um, and yes, yeah, racialism. So 
it, it, you'd think, oh, that's okay. Like you, you can you use that in, in in certain situations and it works, but they'd roll it out on every situation, and when they're in control of everything, that means that you get you don't get as much progress, not in these societal parts anyway. And it turns out that the literal um, definition of conservatism is not reserved, held back. It is traditionalism. Right. So it's as if they're pretending to not do what they're doing, but that's exactly what the word means. So it's like sort of the, they're, they're trying to hide it in plain sight. Um, but when you, when you see what's been going on, it makes complete sense. It's not based on logic, based on what works for them. Right. Personal gain, like you had mentioned. Yeah. I wonder, you know, for all the good that we can say about the advancement in technology in our lifetime, mm. I also think it's contributed to this notion that everybody in the world now has the same voice, the same volume, and yeah. information is so readily available that as a society, mm. we don't know what to do with all of it. And I think that as... I think that this proliferation of news and information has alerted us to crises and, 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 and terrible things that have been happening in the world for years and years and years. But the fact that it's now yes. all broadcast at the same volume, at the same time, at the same mm. speed, uh, I, I wonder what emotional and psychological effect that has on people as a whole. Well, I, I think it's, it's, you can say the same thing for looking at history. So over here, we don't get, and presumably the, the history is you know, whitewashed in America as well. Vietnam. Oh, ne I, oh, never. They don't whitewash history in America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Japanese oh, yeah, no, and German camps? No, yeah. never, never existed. Never existed. Blankets? No, never happened. Right, right, right. Never, 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 never. We don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Yeah, yeah. But this is it. The history is written by the victors, and this, we're in the same boat that our, both our homelands were empires, uh, are empires that, that have been powerful enough to do what they want. Um, uh, Britain with India and with, with the tea in them, uh, we've had multiple cases of, of, of creating slave industries, same with yourself. And it's easy to think, oh, oh, we're British, we're, we're all nice in this. Oh, and the Americans, they're new and brash. It's, it's all the same game. It is. It's, and, it's, 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 yes, I, I 100% agree with you. And if you uh, watch, you're like, in general, being someone who tries to be quite open minded and think about things and not, you know, not, not detract from other people, it's, it's if, if you're not on yourself or anyone else, that's all right. But with the recent flare ups in sort of freedom of speech, and you said with this, but I'm more thinking about the tiki torches and that. You're saying that you're seeing quite a bit of compassion and stuff. Have you seen mixtures at certain times, or does it not affect? Is it more the isolated areas where these things are happening? It's not as if the whole of America is being affected by Tiki Torch right wing march stuff. If you see what I mean? I think that I think that American society as a whole looks mm. at instances of rebellion, foolish rebellion, like the like the Tiki Torch march thing. Um, I think that we look at those with amusement. I think that those are isolated. Right. And I think mm. that the media in America does us no service by yeah. amplifying those images. I read a thing mm. the other day that said 
the uh, vast majority of the websites that are dedicated to this effort to reopen Pennsylvania, reopen California, reopen right. New York, all those websites are owned by one of two advertising companies. Yeah. <laughs> that it's, 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 it's almost a mass produced marketed grassroots effort. You know, it's, it, it's, it's painted to look like the people rising up, but in reality, these are just a lot of people with a lot of technology yeah. and a lot of money who know how to play the game. And I think mm. that again, technology is great, but I think that when people know how to game the technology better than the technology can, it creates yeah. a dangerous environment, especially when it comes to uh, vital information and news and things that affect us on the day to day. Um, yeah. But yes, I, that's, the protests and things like that are not what I have witnessed firsthand. I think again, yeah. those are very isolated, and and mm. I'm really you know I'm um, I'm really glad for that. There are some uh, more rural towns in our area who uh, decide that it's their right to not wear a face mask. It's their right to yes. walk into a store and not have to wear any protective equipment. It's their right yes. to do you know do what they want, congregate and. Uh, any of the things that 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 that's that have been proven to spread this disease um yeah. but with the exception of that i'm pretty okay with what i'm seeing from people i think that people have been helpers and i think that helpers are always good to have around yeah yeah well it's, it's also the the in this sort of time this gives people an opportunity before you'd have you'd have to have the the motivation the time, the, the the reason to want to do something to help people out. To an extent, people do it. I've always done it and will always do it. There are a lot, lot of the people who would rather put other people first. But I think things like this do shift either how people see it so they'll appreciate things better, they'll look at the world different, they'll have more time to be creative and maybe further themselves. But also it's, it's a case of certain people double down on things and I think this is going to have changes in certain areas where, well, like everything, it'll have multiple effects where some people won't want to go back to work and some people will. So that'll be the same with a lot of different things. Some people will be nicer, some people won't. Um, but for the most part, I think things like this give people an opportunity to, but it's hindsight, isn't it? It's yeah, looking it back sure and going, oh, yeah. It sure is. And, and at the end of the day, all we can do is hope that people will do the right thing and we can yeah. uh, hedge our bets by doing the right thing ourselves. Yes. Well, I've, I've had a few few conversations with folk coming to the shop and saying, like, oh, no one else is doing it, so why should I bother? And the one thing, apart from arguing with them, <laughs> that I say is compassion has to start somewhere. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Take a step. Be that be that person who who initiates that compassion. Be the change you want to see in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. David, this has been a wonderful conversation and I appreciate I, you. I, I, I appreciate you. Such a good uh, time. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I appreciate you stepping out and, and, and taking the time to be part of this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely glad we're not strangers anymore. And uh, thank you for giving yeah, me no. a lot to think about on this, on this American Memorial Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, is that? Oh, pretty good. It is. You know what? I had I, I had two hamburgers and two buffalo pork burgers. And my <laughs> wife is at the cookout right. right now. And as soon as we're done with this conversation, I'm going to go get another one. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, yes, no, thank you very much. 
Absolutely. Thank you, for, thank you for all the work that you're doing at the shop. I know that the equivalent of workers like you here mm. are what keep everything going. And I, I Great. appreciate you and I appreciate the people that are doing what you're doing. So thank you very much. Thank you. And and yourself, this is this is a great. You're you're doing this in a way that you're allowing a voice, but you're also helping to curate points and thoughts that hopefully people will pick up on, and people, if they haven't already thought, they'll go, "Oh, great, right, someone else is thinking like this." Um, I hope so. And yeah, that's that's both the least and most you can expect, I would say. Um, it'll get some people. It might not get a lot, but hopefully, you get a good reach. And this is more than just something fulfilling for you you seem to be really good at it and i wish you all the best with it and i want to yeah keep in touch um and if, if we can do this again then that would be fantastic i would love to do that david thank you for the kind words i appreciate it have a wonderful You're night welcome. sir and stay thank safe you. at work thank you thank, thank you sir. very much you all too. right cheers okay, take bye-bye. care bye Stranger Than Christian was produced, recorded, and edited by me, Christian Carrion, here in beautiful downtown Lancaster City, Pennsylvania. For more information on the show, to listen to past episodes, or to send me an email, visit StrangerThanChristian.com. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time to another episode of Stranger Than Christian. Bye-bye.